What's up? This is Anwar Allen. One and only Agape Fire here. And uh, I'm going to be sharing with you something that has been on my heart for quite some time. It's a book. It's a podcast. It's a lot of things. And uh, it's about getting people free. So this will sound a little different. It'll feel a little different. But as you listen, just uh, allow your imagination to just go to a place where you understand already that people are being freed. And this is about a freedom movement. I must give credit to where credit is due. And I say without a shadow of a doubt, I write these words and pen divine messages because Holy Spirit has inspired me to see into the beyond of a not-too-distant future. If I've listened correctly and made the right connections with what the Lord has been showing me, then this short book will be a part of many other writings, culminating in a mass rising of voices that will point us towards an alignment we haven't had in the church in quite some time. What I've been shown is that we're on the brink of a revival, an awakening for people worldwide to the awesome majesty of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I believe that as with many other things, America must lead the charge because we are typically towards the head of the table in many of the spheres of influence. We're not better, more talented, and certainly not more spiritual, but rather we've been positioned by way of His good grace, access to resource, and a destiny towards His ultimate process. More often than not, our church has been in the news for the wrong reasons, and we have been preceded by some leaders and thinkers who misunderstood certain parts of the call, certain aspects of the God-given purpose that was attached to the foundation of the identity. Like any real change in any real movement, it starts at the heart level, at the home base of it all. What I see is simple in nature, but hard to remedy when we explore the complexity of our birthrights and the allegiances of the empires we forged over time. So I believe wholeheartedly that before and during this upcoming revival, every obstacle that has placed a block on the freedom and access to the church by way of the Holy Spirit must go in the name of Jesus. For the American church, this means that we have to do away with the syncretism of our hope and our belief system that revolves around our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and the mixing with the symbology of our flag our national anthems, our military might, and our ideas of manifest destiny. What the Lord has done in and through America and on behalf of the United States is his prerogative. The dangerous thing that has occurred over the years of existence in this country is a slow mixing of two completely different agendas. The agenda of an American sovereign state right now is not for the welfare of the nations. The poor there, the widows there, and the weak and impoverished there. That is a part of what America stands for, but it is not the wholesale reason Americans spend their dollars, get anxious, or fear in the newest headlines.
So I admit, I enjoy every privilege, every part of what it means to be an American. However, I understand that I must make decisions for the rest of my life that will trump the flag or the will of the country. Not too long ago, sitting on a bus in the front seat while being black was a crime, and thus un-American. Further to that, it was unchristian of a man like Martin Luther King to peacefully protest on behalf of his brothers and sisters who happened to share the same skin color. One of his mantras was similar to an idea that says that an injustice for one group of people or nation is an injustice everywhere. The same can be said for ideas of what it means to be an American and what it means to be a Christian. A half-truth is still a lie, or better yet, if the truth is being concealed and what is being represented is not fully being portrayed. We've been operating under the assumption that Christian values and old-fashioned American values are the same. We can always draw similarities between different systems of operations when we are talking about groups of people that hope to build a prosperous entity. The foundations of Christianity are second to none, and the kingdom of God contains in its DNA a different trajectory and a different reason for operation. The Western Church, America, and the kingdom of God are all operating towards competing goals. Only one will stand the test of time because one of them stands outside of time and is an eternal nature. I cannot express this enough. America is a precious place to live, and the reason it exists is not for just the people that live here. There's an extended view we must take to heart because we must expose some lies that Christian American has believed. And if these false ideas are not confronted, then we might as well be pouring fresh, pure water down a congested sewer. The fresh living waters will not get to the people who need it the most. We need it, and the people of the world need it. So no longer can we shrug our shoulders and take it to be one of those things that will change in another lifetime. My daughters and their sons and daughters will not suffer under ideas that will falsely inform them and shackle them to a community that sees more importance to having allegiance to paradigms that contradict the reason we are here. We're here to represent the living God. Our country is existing for the time being to be a nation the Lord can use as a resource. Perfection can never be the goal. Utopias are shot in the dark. But we can definitely do better. Much better. And at this point, anything is better than the apathetic approach that has taken many brothers and sisters captive, leaving them still wanting the old way in the midst of a world-changing pandemic. Every division we have with the gospel of Jesus Christ and the leading of the Holy Spirit is a division with God. That is a division with our Creator, our Father, the one we must answer to when we fully cross over. So I ask, why would we want to make breaks with the Lord? Why would we create for ourselves a life that protects ideas and systems that are not of God, that fly in the face of the Lord's will? The leaders, entrepreneurs, creatives, and Christian thinkers of our time must grapple with the harvest the Lord is calling forth and where we are keeping that from becoming a reality in our families, our communities, and our churches. When I confronted this question with my own soul, I had to square up with the truth that in some areas of my life, I didn't want a fresh move of God. 
but rather resource and affirmation that could help me build an identity that wasn't meant for me. So I understand completely there's some who don't want revival or change, and they see the church as just fine. There's no need for reformation, some say. I'll tell that person lovingly with the sadness in my heart that they're missing out. There's a little bit more available. There's a deeper intimacy, a new freedom to embrace. I'm not only passionate about the call in our lives to change the landscape of where we operate and even how we operate, but more importantly, it's who we operate for and unto. It's all about the families, the children, the people, the hurting, that need a whole church to take on the whole of the mandate that God's chosen. Especially in this season, where will people go when they need to entrust themselves to a group of people who will not only listen, but actively participate in healing and restoration. Anyone can listen, and anyone can give good advice. But who will walk through the muck, mire, and fire with someone who has nothing to offer? Who has the ability to ask the creator of the universe for wisdom and insight into the unknown? So I hope to open more eyes to the truth. They were not Israel but we still play a very important role in the future of God's humanity like Israel. We're very blessed to have the opportunity to do what many other won't in their lifetime. It's a chance to see people's lives turn around, to see people sense the presence of the Lord for the first time ever. That not only means salvation, but the opportunity to see light and color and to hear the Father's heartbeat and to sense the world the way it was meant to be taken in through our physical and spiritual gateways. For anyone else to have that opportunity, that means we as a people of God have to take the chance to expand our horizons as to what is really possible and to put down the thought that we are settled into the totality of our mission. We're not here to be good capitalists or good Americans or nice neighbors that mind their own business. There's all good and decent things, but they're not the pinnacle God thing that we are meant to experience. The previous revival saw people understanding more what the Canaan was for their time and period. For instance, the Welsh revival saw hundreds of thousands come to the Lord daily. People would travel long distances to hear preaching, seek healing, and attain salvation. They were living in a period where the land was dry and the hope was non-existent. In other times of history, people experienced healing, signs, and wonders, and had angelic visitations. I also believe that many have wanted the kingdom of God to manifest among us, and many have waited for an Acts first century church type of movement in our modern age. For this to happen, and for the world to know a healing and reformation like it's never seen before, the people of God are going to need to understand the world we live in today and the spiritual implications of a body of Christ that is intimately aware of what the Lord is doing in and among us. We have to be hungry as well to acknowledge that we have a true thirst and that we have got to start living. Not to the full have we been. When we've had a taste, we've taken small sips from the fountain. We will have to go back for more to quench a thirst we never knew we had. Are these things going to happen again? The word I hear from the Lord in many things is you haven't seen anything yet. 
A generation of God's people have gone through cycles of growth, maturation, and sometimes stagnation. The growth processes were, of course, the revivals, renewals, and reformations. The stagnation periods were born out of a comfortability, valleys of depression and fear, and in some cases a distraction from what the Lord has been trying to accomplish through his people. We live in an unparalleled time of unbelief, a false reality that excludes the Lord and his goodness, his sovereignty, power, and supreme control over all of what we're experiencing. We believe that we need healing in our country, but do we really believe that unity in the body can truly happen? We believe that the Lord can raise people from the dead, but do we believe that the prodigals of generation can really make it back to the altar and into the presence of the Lord? When stagnation occurs, there's a loss of innocence with the Lord and a lack of vision concerning the things of God. We grow weary of doing good and get very accustomed to so-so, just making it or having it all work out to our good. We become desensitized to the casualties of war and the brokenness of the world and sad that we sometimes feel that there's nothing we do and by way of proxy nothing the Lord can do the broken relationships broken covenants low expectancy of closeness to Yahweh are all a commonality in, in the evangelical world the norm I can't count how many sermons, podcasts, and books I've read on the topic of growing cold and stoking the fires and getting out of that normal cycle of falling out of love with God. I confess I've been there. And in fact, all these words pertain to a man creating voice and picture to this common reality. The growth periods have given us a hope in the future that God is walking us towards. We've had enough personal corporate hardship enough eye-opening experiences to begin to see and hope for a better way of operating in this walk of discipleship. The problem is that we will always be tested, not just by the valleys of despair and lack, but also by the times where prosperity and favor are all we know. If we look closely and think about the blessings upon our lives, we can honestly say the Lord will never withhold any good thing from us, unless it would destroy us. We're a blessed generation that can truly say we have no lack and no true needs. God is good, but even we, as good and faithful flock, can forget how good he is. We can forget to honor and love the Lord. We forget so easily what first love is and what it felt like to take the leap into salvation and sanctification. The stagnation creates a culture that will breed eventually the response we see as a result when a prophet is given the response from the people. 1 Samuel 8, 19-20 reads this. But the people refused to listen to Samuel. No, they said. We want a king over us. Then we'll be like all the other nations with a king to lead us and to go out before us and fight our battles. I'll stop here. I'm glad that you had a chance to listen to some of my book. I'm going to continue reading these out um, in small snippets as uh, the Lord leads. I've been wanting to do this for a long time, so I'm very thankful to have the opportunity to share what the Lord has put on my heart. And uh, I'll just end in a quick prayer, and then hopefully the rest of your day or night is sanctified and, and blessed by Yahweh Holy Spirit I just thank you for whoever listens or is a part of whatever you're doing in this podcast slash book 
that you've put in me and on me. Holy Spirit, I pray that words would encourage whoever's listening. I pray that your sweet presence is on them and in them and with them, that they would sense you in a new way. I pray that revelation would come forth. And Holy Spirit, I just pray that um, you'd keep them, keep them close to you. Lord, these are uh, interesting times, and I pray that your revelation guides us, your light guides us, so that we can be the generation that does create spaces for revival, spaces for new interactions with the presence of you, Yahweh. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.